0: of July. It is 7-17. It is also a Friday and we have questions today. Uh, I have some questions. Oh my gosh. Life is so interesting. Um, This time when things are shut down, we're starting to see a huge shift in how we look at relationships people in our lives, and, you know, why are we together? What brought us together? And for most people, it reinforces why you are all together, what is really going on, where your plans are in your lives. And it's really interesting how bonding, the kind of bonding that has happened, but is it like accelerates? everything that's actually going on in your relationship already. It's just that now there's like a spotlight on it because there is time. There is time. It's interesting how time can change everything. So what happens? So I got a question. That says, we are at a point where our fights start because of small things. I do acknowledge that often it is something that starts to be a problem for me, and I address it, and there we go. And then we have a fight that's one week long, and it feels like we haven't recovered really. My partner starting to see his friends more. Starting to interact on Instagram a little more, wants to get a motorbike, wants to start living life kind of separating himself, creating space around himself, basically. So what's happening here? The, the fights aren't the issue. They're just a symptom of not addressing a bigger issue. There, when you're in a relationship, real life is going to set in. And when it sets in, when it you know says, okay, I'm here, all of the stuff that we do that's first time and brand new is now second time and third time and fourth time, and it's not brand new anymore. It's it's who we are. And when we start to see that happening, sometimes it scares us. Especially, you know, first-time partners or first-time child or first-time all of this. We, we get used to a bunch of first-times in the beginning of every relationship. And then sometimes some of us do get scared or get like spooked, like, oh, my gosh, is this all I'm going to do? Oh, my gosh, now I have all this responsibility. And, you know, my wife just had a baby, and she was going through some stuff, and what do I do with her? And then she tries to be better, and then he's already spooked. And how does that all go back to the fork in the road? And how do we re? Pave that with love. How do we do that? Here we are. We go to each other and we say, do we both really want to be together? Do we love each other? Do we have enough mature love, not I want to run away love, but mature love to take ourselves down a path that creates a lifetime together, or are both of us immature to where we're still regretting leaving our lives before we met each other now that we're together? Is our child or children... Enough to keep us together and to keep us trying to keep our love alive. These questions are not easy questions to ask, but when we're fighting over little things, it's because we're not asking them, they're too scary to ask. The depths that you need for that relationship to carry itself through day-to-day activities is what's trying to establish itself right now. And it is scary. It's super intimidating because now you're giving more of yourself than you ever gave to anybody for any reason. And you don't know what that's like. And because we don't know what it's like and we don't know how it feels to feel that intimately secure with another person, it brings about anxiety. It starts looking like one or both are running away. And I would suggest in all of this, two of you, you know, really talk about, because it is confusing. I know you say you feel confused, is that you have to ask each other, hey, why are we here? I know there was a reason why we met, and we both brought these children, child, into this world, And I know we're both doing our best, but our best right now is just being scared. We're bigger than scared, but we don't know how to not be scared. So, John, what's most important to you? And then you can ask Mary. Mary, what's most important to you? Do we love each other? Would we miss each other if we were not in each other's lives? Would it bother us to see one or the other with another person? What's really bothering us now? Is it really that you didn't take the trash out? Or is it because we're scared of who we've become? We've become those old people we used to look at and say, wow, I I, I don't want to be like that. And then you find out once you have a child that you are that person. But it's the circle of life and the cycle of life. And sometimes while we're on that cycle and we don't recognize who we are, it does feel scary and it does feel confusing and it does feel off-putting and it does feel like you're not attractive to each other anymore. It does feel like you're not desirable anymore. And you can't make yourself desirable. It's like, you know, you can't try to be sexy. True sexy is just being yourself. I've spoken to many men who have said she's the most beautiful with her hair up and her sweats on and she's doing the dishes because that's when I feel like I know who she really, really is, and she looks the most beautiful at that time. Or when you're just doing things around the house or you're running out to the grocery store. Because that ease, that comfort, that confidence is really what's beautiful and what becomes ultimately the most sexy to each other even. It's an, an internal calmness that's the most attractive to anybody. People are attracted to other people that are calm. When somebody wants to upset your calm, upset your happiness, or try to get you to feel something by what they're wearing or what they're doing, that usually isn't the way. Because that's, it's not speculation. But it's lack of confidence to try to get someone. You can't make someone like or love you. But when you're already in a relationship and you're already living under the same roof and you already have produced children, there is love there. And that love needs to be paid attention to by both of you truly talking about it. It is the scariest thing in the world to talk about it. Because sometimes we don't want the answer. What if the other one says, hey, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Then what are you going to do? But wouldn't you rather know the truth? Or what if they tell you, I love you more than I've loved anybody. I just don't know who I am when I love someone like this. So instead of paying attention to it, I'm taking off. But I don't really want to. The way to be desirable is your question, how can I be? The way to be that person is to be yourself to not be scared of the outcome. Because when we're scared of an outcome, our ego is what is running the show. Because, boy, the minute we're scared of anything, ego's like right at the door waiting. And that's why the confusion you feel is so evident. And when you're carrying that energy, the other person can feel that. You don't have to say it. Things go like in this weird radio silent place, you know, like just like me when I'm not on the air, but I, I'm talking, no one can hear me. But you know, I'm trying to get on the air. It's kind of interesting. Asking the hard questions, the questions that you don't think you can handle the answer for, are the questions that the two of you need to be asking each other. You say, How can I, what can I do to feel beautiful and strong on the inside? I'm going to ask you to say something. It has been my best tool. Especially in this time when ego's running rampant and we're seeing people do some crazy stuff to each other, to populations. We're watching our leaders go berserk. We're just watching a lot of crazy right now. Not hard to get caught up in it because it's everywhere right now. And all I say is, God, I want what you want. Whatever. You want, and whatever that ego language that comes into our heads, like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to protect ourselves? What is the, you know, all this crazy stuff, it just goes away because it cannot compete. It cannot pierce. It cannot override the peace of God, of feeling God. That peace, that inner contentness that we feel. So instead of worrying about what your partner wants, and I know you don't want the relationship to end, you have to take a breath and say, "God, I want what you want." because now you're dealing with exchanging energy with a non-fearing entity which is God. There is no fear there. So you are not going to accept the fear from yourself. And when you look at your partner, you can say something as simple as to yourself, I love this person. I don't know how to love someone yet because I need to do that for myself and I don't think I'm there but I'm doing my best today. Take a breath and just be the best that you are for that day. Nobody came to earth ready-made. Nobody came to earth with a how-to book. We didn't even come to earth knowing how to read. We didn't come to earth knowing the language. All of this stuff is taught to us once we are here. But even if none of that was taught to us, even if we didn't know how to speak, even if we didn't know how to read, and I've met people who not couldn't speak, they could speak, but couldn't read, were totally illiterate. I spent a month in a country where the illiteracy rate was at 30%. So three out of every 10 I met could not even read. Everything they learned was by doing. And if I didn't know that they couldn't read or write, I would not have known. And I I just wouldn't have known. They may not know details of a lot of things, but they, they knew how to do a lot of things very well. And they understood life because they were forced to be observers because that's how they learned. And when that tool isn't used as much, it feels like it's like, okay, now I'm going to observe. But just start with, over and over again, in your heart, quietly, in your thoughts, when you feel that feeling like you're going down the wrong road or you don't know how to do something, and say, God, I want what you want. God, I want what you want. And write me back and let me know how that works for you. I know this isn't easy, but I know it's going to sound weird to say this, but just like having a child, just because everybody in the world. Every mother in the world has had a child. That's a lot of people. Otherwise, we would not have a population. But yet, when it's happening to you, it's a big deal. And so is this. So is that newness in a relationship, especially when you're older and you've already done so much in life. And that excitement and that adrenaline of just kind of being in charge of your own life to come back and it's like gnawing at you. But you're not missing anything. That's why you did what you did. It's just time for this now. Time for your emotions to settle, to gain confidence, to build self-esteem, to build self-worth, and to build a world that you can trust, no matter who is in it. But the fear of loss will usually bring you that loss because... We have to face our fears, but if you do not fear that loss, you will have a chance to heal whatever's inside of you that keeps making you fear that loss. I hope that helps, and thank you for your question. I have another question, and this is from Maria in the U.K., so we're going to talk to someone across the pond this morning. Good morning, Nadia please can we talk about how the different family roles are there to grow us and how do we know that we did grow as planned by our souls before coming to this life? I hope that makes sense. Thank you. How do you know that you've grown? That's a good question because sometimes we're just growing and we don't even know what that means because it's not like, We graduate every time we learn something. It's also not like somebody says, oh, here's a rubber stamp. You learned this this lesson. One good way of knowing is that we're not continuously repeating the same pattern over and over again, if that makes any sense. The repetition stops. Oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I already know the outcome. Oh, lesson learned. I don't want to do that anymore because I also know that outcome. Lesson learned. Otherwise, we actually don't. Unless we're constantly thinking about it. Our different family roles have a huge play in our lives I I did a paper once when I was studying child development trying to learn about autism but in it the classes I had to take were fascinating and one of them was about birth order you know where were you born were you the first child were you the second child were you the third child on and on and you know we had six children and I was the second but the oldest girl I don't even know what that meant prior to this class but either way I always assumed that because we were all in the same family that we were all alike. I did not realize until years after I left before I could accept differences between myself and my siblings. I didn't know why. So the first thing I found out that I think is fascinating is everything is that every single child in a family is born to a different family. So a firstborn has all the attention of the parents. The parents didn't really know yet. They have no experience, kind of like what we were talking about with this couple earlier. They're still trying to figure themselves out. In the meantime, this baby's growing along and born and doing its thing. And this child will have more pictures than any other kids because, well, back in the day, now with cell phones, everybody has pictures of everything, but times, usually when all of us were born. And then you have a second child. Now that second child is born to a sibling where the first child didn't have one and now has to adjust. There are two different adjustments. One is born and just knows the family as it is. Knows that there's two parents and a baby. And they get their share of the attention because their needs need to be met. They need to be fed, changed. How all that happens will dictate how this child kind of, navigates through life but they're already used to a crowd they're already used to another child while they're growing up they will have another child who's playing with them and pushing them and, and, and doing stuff with them but the first one didn't have those challenges first children tend to have leadership qualities because they're paving the way. They don't know it yet, but that's what they're doing. The second child walks into a situation that's already paved. Now you say, let's have a third child. The third child is born into a crowd. There's already two children. They have to navigate between this personality and that personality and the personality of the parents. The parents go from Googling and Googling the child to being managers of these three children, you learn to be one of the crowd. You learn that if you just go along, you'll be fine. You learn how to please this person, get them off your back, please that person, enjoy them, please this parent, please that parent, please them all. That's why third, fourth, fifth children, unless they're the baby of the family, are extremely flexible because they learn to be flexible. So birth order is huge. You could, there's so many books written on it. It's fascinating because wherever you land in there, you know if you're a first, second, or third child, it's fascinating to read because every child is born into a different family. And it explained to me a lot of reasons why my siblings and I were as different as we are. I was shocked by it initially because I'm like, how did they get that out of that? Well, their point of view was different. That's why. They were completely justified. They completely understood the same family that I grew up with, differently. Because they were looking at me as one of the brothers and sisters. I was looking at them as one of the brothers and sisters. But my view was I was the oldest girl, so I looked at every all my sisters as younger than I was. But if I were the second born, I would have had two younger and one older. How do I navigate in there? That sister is actually the quietest of all of us. Till this day, the baby one wanted to have a big family of her own because she was born into a big family. She was the second to the last. So she had four siblings ahead of her and one behind her. Baby, who had such a big family, decided, he decided, they're not going to have children at all. He had way too much intrusion into his life think about that then there's another aspect to it if a child was born first and the parent or parents because if there was no separation in between that had another child a brother or sister to this child five years or more after so that would mean the firstborn was five years old or older When the child was born, the second child, the second child will also take on the characteristics of a firstborn because that five years is enough of a separation and the interests are varied far enough away that there isn't a competitive nature or a negotiating nature to the younger child's relationship with the family. It's like they're all Googling over this new child. They're all, and that child is paving its way amongst three people instead of two. So the other part of your question is that we grow as planned. We are always growing as planned according to the decisions we make through our own free will. And we're doing it right now. You sitting here as planned. Because you planned to sit here. You planned to hear this. You planned to ask the question. It's been going on in your mind. We're constantly growing souls. And as long as we are growing, in whatever way we are growing, we are growing according to plan. We don't come knowing everything We come here to discover life. We are generally, generally, for the most part, positive by nature. That's why the negative stuff throws us off. And on that note, I will see you guys Monday morning. I love you so much. Have a great and safe weekend. Bye-bye.